0: I'm Beth Bennett.
1: And I'm Jane Palmer. This is How on Earth, the show that makes you smarter. Today is Tuesday, December the 9th, 2014.
0: Coming up, H2O Radio's Franny Halperin and Janie Sudler visit Ecuador's Yasumi National Park to find out how one indigenous community has pioneered an award-winning model of preservation and sustainability in the park. How? By modeling themselves on leafcutter ants. Afterward, we'll be talking more to Franny and Jamie in the studio to talk about their project. We begin with a look at some of the recent news in science. Imagine you're an eel living in the Amazon and you can't see your prey, even though you're surrounded by tasty food. What do you do? Zap your prey with electricity, of course. Amazonian electric eels do this and then wait for their zap prey to start twitching. The eels detect the water movement from the twitch and then hit the prey with longer shocks, paralyzing them. Scientists found this out by removing the brain from a prey fish, placing it in a tank with an electric eel, and watching the muscles freeze up when they were zapped. Removing the brain ruled out a role for the central nervous system, but maybe the electric pulses caused contractions directly in the muscles. To test that hypothesis, the researchers injected the fish with curare, blocking the connection from nerve to muscle. These fish didn't respond to the eel shocks. This showed that the electric eels manipulate the nerves between spinal cord and muscles, the exact mechanism of a taser. Yet another example of science imitating nature. This work was published last week in the journal Science. If you want to get a group of school
1: students to cooperate, what works best, a carrot or a stick? Both, it turns out. Using a flexible combination of both positive and negative incentives promotes the most cooperation in any group effort, according to a new study by researchers at the International Institute for Applied Systems Analysis. The new study used a computer model to examine different incentive schemes. From this approach, the researchers found the best strategy to initiate cooperation would start with rewarding cooperative people or industries in a group, what the model called an agent. Only after a sufficiently large population, proportion of these agents have been co- converted to cooperation is it then wise to shift to a system of punishing wrongdoers. For example, to encourage classroom cooperation, a teacher would first reward good behaviour and then, when enough students were cooperating, then switch to the punishment approach when people didn't cooperate. The researchers say the findings provide insights for encouraging the teamwork required to tackle many global and environmental problems. The study was published last week in the Royal Society Journal, Interface.
0: An impenetrable wall to high-speed electrons, 7,000 miles above the surface of the Earth, has been discovered. This force-field-like surface lies within the Van Allen Belt, which consists of two toroidal regions of high-energy protons and electrons held in place by the Earth's magnetic field. James Van Allen first discovered the radiation belts in 1958. Daniel Baker, professor and director at CU Boulder's Laboratory for Atmospheric Space Physics, has continued the investigation using data from a NASA probe launched in 2012. His group recently discovered a sharp barrier between the inner and outer belts that is literally repelling electrons. Baker has commented that this phenomenon is extremely puzzling since nature doesn't like hard edges and instead smooths things out. It was previously thought that the electrons, some traveling upwards of 100,000 miles per second, gradually spiraled down into the upper atmosphere and were scattered by air molecules. Turns out they never get that far because this barrier stops them in their tracks. So far, the source remains a mystery, and they will just have to watch and see what happens as different space weather comes our way. These observations were published in the November issue of Nature.
1: You're tuned to How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. I'm Jane Palmer. The Yusuni National Park in Ecuador, one of the most biodiverse regions on Earth, is currently at risk from all development but some of the park's inhabitants are trying to forge a more sustainable and less destructive path out of poverty. These indigenous Kichwa people, who have already been caretakers of the rainforest for hundreds of years, have developed Ito tourism in the region, providing all the jobs, schools and health care that they need. To find out more, H2O Radio's Franny Halperin and Jamie Sudler visited the region earlier this year, and coming up we'll be hearing an account of their travels. But stay tuned... Because we have Fanny and Jamie in the studio to talk more about the projects the project, the threats to the Yasumi National Park and attempts to preserve it from all development. But for now, let's go to the rainforest.
2: The small terminal of the Coca-City Airport in the Ecuadorian Amazon is a nondescript concrete building. After a brief flight from the capital, Quito, we file off the plane, walk through the tiny luggage area, and out onto the street into the steamy midday sun, where a cluster of people stand holding handwritten signs bearing the names of oil industry giants like Halliburton, Schlumberger, or Petro-Amazonas. We locate a person with the logo of the Eco Lodge we plan to visit. It's obvious, but unstated, that we're two distinct groups of passengers— Half of us are tourists, birders, scientists, biologists, nature lovers, off to the jungle hoping to catch glimpses of wildlife. And the other half are people in the oil industry heading off to work. This is our point of departure, and although we won't see these men again, their mark on the forest is indelible.
3: It'll take just a few miles by motorized canoe to see how. As we head down the Napo River, a brown, fast-moving tributary of the Amazon a tall orange flame spewing black smoke emerges on the horizon. Our guide, who up until now has been exuberantly describing the wonders that await us, changes her tone as the boat nears the jarring eyesore, sitting right on the river's edge.
4: We've been just traveling and everything is green and suddenly a big flare in the forest. Uh, there are a lot of negative impacts in the environment with these flares. We have acid rains in the surroundings of these flares, and the biodiversity that is in close contact with these flares is also being affected. For instance, we have some... Ver- she goes
2: on to describe the impact on wildlife, such as insects, vital pollinators of the rainforest, which are attracted to the light only to be incinerated.
3: We knew before we came to Ecuador about the increasing threat of oil extraction in the Amazon, but we didn't think our first rainforest sighting, so to speak would be not of a rare endangered animal, but of an invasive species of a different sort, the drilling rig.
4: Ecuador is a, is an oil country, okay? So the 60% of our budget is represented by the oil. we we'll stop here because uh, we want to show you this, because this is also part of our reality. We have uh, this amazing rainforest and also we have oil
2: we let that comment sink in as the boat throttles up loudly back into the fast-moving river ecuador is a place with a remarkable natural beauty the galapagos volcanoes beaches and highlands rich in indigenous culture and heritage in other words a traveler's paradise but the oil money is fast money and seemingly irresistible for a country trying to pull itself out of poverty
3: as we continue down the Napo, zigging and zagging to avoid sandbars and tree trunks, as well as to pass flat-bottomed barges, varying trucks and equipment up and down the river, we're retracing the journey of the conquistador Francisco de Orellana, who's credited with leading the first Spanish expedition from the Amazon River's roots in the Andean Mountains, Thousands of miles away to the Atlantic.
2: Oriana's hope was to find and pilfer the legendary city of El Dorado and its vast forests of cinnamon. Along the way, he and his men suffered from hunger, malnutrition, and illness, but most of all, they feared an encounter with the fabled women warriors of the Amazon legendary for their fierceness and ruthlessness in battle.
3: Fast forward to the 20th century when a new breed of explorers, representing not Spain, but multinational corporations, came to the Amazon, seeking riches of oil, rubber, and minerals. It seems preposterous to suggest that these moderns would fear natives in an era of advanced technology and machinery, but it would be a mistake to underestimate the determination these people have to protect their homes.
2: The people of the Kichwa community of Yasuni National Park don't intend to let their ancestral home be exploited. But they aren't planning to defend it by deploying Amazonian women who, legend has it, removed a breast so they could aim their arrows more accurately. Rather, they will protect it by taking on the mindset of a rainforest
3: ant. Yes, an ant, the leafcutter ant. An industrious creature whose most remarkable characteristic is its single-mindedness of purpose and ability to work in unison toward a common goal.
2: The community named themselves after the insect to reflect the tenacity it took to take on the endeavor of starting an eco-lodge in the rainforest. It wasn't easy, and there were many bumps in the road to discourage them. It required having the larger goal in mind to commit to conservation over logging or mining in a region of subsistence living and poor access to education and healthcare. The community persevered, working together to become an award-winning example of sustainable and ecologically sound tourism.
3: It's an economic success story, to be sure, and a way of educating outsiders about ongoing threats to this jungle, an ecosystem that many consider to be the most pristine in the world, with staggering statistics of biodiversity.
4: Just in one hectare of the Yasuni National Park you can find around 800 species of uh, trees, native trees and bushes. That is more that you can find in the United States and Canada together. Uh, you can find 200 species of mammals, uh, we have around uh, 200 uh, species of uh, reptiles, 130 species of uh, amphibians, and in just one hectare, 100,000 species of insects.
2: But there's another perhaps more important benefit of running an ecotourism lodge. It allows the Quichua, as well as other groups in the Amazon, to preserve their way of life and their roles as rainforest caretakers for hundreds of years. Teaching visitors about the Amazon isn't just about protecting plants and animals. It's about protecting them, the people who hold the jungle's secrets. Secrets that could be the next cure for cancer, a treatment for Alzheimer's, a serum for anti-aging, Yes, the elusive fountain of youth that other conquistadors were seeking. Maybe not a worthless quest after all.
3: Paddling by small canoe up a stream in the jungle, the water is black and still. Trees and vines hang from the canopy to prevent much light from reaching us on the forest floor. We hear the buzz of cicadas, occasional snapping of branches as squirrel monkeys traverse from tree to tree, and the chatter of parakeets high overhead. This cacophony of sounds makes it easy to forget, at least temporarily, the flares on the river and the threats they represent. But the threats
2: are real. Unfortunately, the Yasuni National Park, a United Nations-recognized world biosphere reserve, sits atop billions of dollars' worth of oil. Right now, oil development is prohibited there, but pockets of the park are already being drilled, in a huge block a concession called the Block ITT, could be opened as early as 2016.
3: That's because in 2007, President Rafael Correa called upon the international community to help, quote, save Block ITT in Yasuni, asking for half the oil's estimated value in order to keep it in the ground. When donors fell short... He called the campaign a failure and authorized drilling.
2: What's more, in a complete reversal, Correa declared drilling as the very thing that would make life better for the people of the Amazon.
4: The government is trying to promote the oil extraction here. With the benefits of the oil, he's going to bring water, safe water, electricity to the towns that are located here in the in, in this area. But of course, when it comes to oil extraction or any type of extractive activity, uh, then the reality is that you have oil spills and then it comes to pollution, which is worse because they can bring water. But then at, at the end, Accidents will occur and we will have oil spills and then the the water is going to be polluted by these oil spills and then the water will drip to their farms and then they will start to get sick.
3: Despite the government's adamant declaration that extraction will be limited, and done safely with the best technology available a spill any spill here has vast consequences why because this is the rainforest, and everywhere you look there's water the jungle is a web of creeks swamps and streams that mean the proverbial pebble dropped in one pond can have a ripple effect hundreds of miles away For example, just last year, a pipeline break spilled 400,000 gallons into the Coca River, leaving Coca's 65,000 residents without drinking water. The oil then floated downriver all the way to Peru, and to date, the water in the river is unsafe to drink.
2: Still, not all communities see it how these Quechua do. The choice to give in to the oil companies is powerful and divides villages. For some, the allure of outside goods, of money, trucks, schools, and fresh drinking water, becomes hard to resist until down the line they find that they've traded pristine hunting grounds for poisoned rivers and empty promises.
4: We are cutting this rainforest and we are turning this uh, into oil wells. So we are losing things that we don't even know that it exist. That uh, we're going to lose medicines, we're going to lose uh, the home from the last non-contact groups in the world. And we're losing things that, you know, has a lot of value. Uh, the government is trying to... You know, convince all the Ecuadorians that actually it's going to be the other way. Just he's going to just touch the 1% of all the Yasuni National Park, and with that, percentage uh, he's going to take us from poverty uh, the reality is that we have been a, a, an oil country for 40 years and we are not out of poverty because of the oil of course uh, and actually that's the opposite reality we have uh, oil spills we have deforestation we have pollution uh, we have people with cancer because of this so the sad reality of the people that live in the rainforest is that the oil didn't didn't improve their lives. It was the opposite thing.
2: So is it arrogant for outsiders, visitors like us, to ask this small, poor country not to exploit its buried treasure in the hopes that it potentially holds our future medicines and cures? Is it fair for us to ask them to live in poverty? Many experts say that if the rainforest is
3: destroyed, it could change our world's climate. So to take the long view... And the longer road to prosperity through sustainable development, like ecotourism, instead of oil extraction, is a lot to ask of Ecuadorians, and it brings back to mind the leafcutter ant.
2: Scientists call their colonies one of the most complex social systems on Earth, second only to humans. Leafcutter colonies have several types of workers, and each ant has a specific and vital task. But each individual ant can't see its purpose in the chain nor its role as a cog in the machine that keeps the entire colony alive. But instinct tells it to carry on and play its part.
3: So what do our instincts tell us? For those of us visiting the Amazon this trip, we're motivated to do our part in protecting this forest, to take actions no matter how small and how unsure we are that they'll make a difference. That's what you learn by being in this place and meeting the people who live here and know it best. Follow your gut and think like an ant. Reporting from Quito, Ecuador, I'm Franny Halperin.
2: And I'm Jamie Sudler.
3: And you're listening to H2O Radio. That was
1: H2O Radio's Franny Halpern and Jamie Sudler reporting from Ecuador's Yasumi National Park. Now we have Franny and Jamie with, with us in the studio to tell us more about the project. Hello, Franny and Jamie. Hi
3: there, Jane.
2: Uh, good morning.
1: So... Why the concern with the Yasuni National Park? I mean, what drew you to be especially interested in this story? Because there are plenty of other places in the world where there's oil drilling.
3: Well, first of all, this is a great time to talk about Yasuni as people gather for the climate summit in Lima. Yasuni is key to what's at stake. Um, it's one of the most biodiverse places on earth, as our story said. and contains a staggering amount of species, some, many yet to be discovered. That could be the next medicines or materials for science and engineering, like you said in your headlines. Um, science imitates nature, and there are many things yet to be discovered. So from that aspect, Yusuni um, is important also for regulating local and global climate. And, of course, Yusuni is also important for the people who live there,
2: the, the Usuni also, uh, you have to understand, is a huge national park. Uh, you can compare it to the size of Rocky Mountain National Park. It's about 10 times the size of uh, Rocky Mountain National Park here in Colorado. And so the Usuni is uh, essentially a, a beautiful symbol of you know, efforts to protect the Amazon and uh, if, if your listeners were listening to uh, Democracy Now! earlier today, you heard uh, indigenous people, other indigenous people from the Unisuni area talking about how important it is to protect their rights.
3: And I'd say it's also about, you know, in our own self-interest is the Amazon sustains us. It regulates, as I said, local and global climate. It regulates water and um
2: Air, it definitely air. And In fact, some carbon. people called the the Amazon, of which Yasuni is a part, you know, the lungs of the planet. Some another woman uh, from Amazon Watch interviewed earlier on Democracy Now called it the heart of the planet. These metaphors symbolize the environmental importance of the Amazon to the health of the entire planet. Yasuni is a symbol of that.
3: And our story really wants to focus on the people who live there, who are the best caretakers of of the forest for living there for hundreds of years. They know it best. They know the secrets that are held in the flora and fauna. And also, Yusuni is... Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, but what are you... So what are
1: you really hoping to achieve by covering this story?
2: I think the most important thing we want to achieve is to bring more awareness to the Usuni and the Ecuadorian struggle to limit oil and gas development in this particular area, but also to recognize that that limitation comes with a price to some people there who want oil and gas exploration because of the money that is, uh, it would flow in. Um, so our, our purpose is to increase awareness. But also you have to understand that there are efforts underway in Ecuador to soften or to, to, to dampen voices about this issue. Um, we, we did not name, as you may have heard or recognized, the, the guide who was talking about the effects of oil in the Amazon. And we did that for a purpose. And that was it, 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 she may be in danger. From the government uh, because of speaking out, and so we, as you know, as Americans, going down there and coming back up here, we're not in any danger from the government. But there are efforts to uh, to squelch public dissent and public information in Ecuador about what's going on.
3: And the right. Yasunídos, an active a group of social and environmental activists, who tried to get to the COP twenty were detained several times. Um, because the government didn't want them to tell the world about what's happening with Yasuni and the potential to develop oil there.
1: So that's, a, that's very different to the situation here in Colorado, but are there any similarities?
2: Well, absolutely, there are similarities. Uh, the biggest similarities that I noticed is that you have a lot of people in, in ind- indigenous regions of the Amazon, not just the ones we met with, but they're trying to act locally to protect their local indigenous property rights now that effort is going on here in the United States and to, for people to act locally to protect their local property rights their local health interests and the health of their children that's exactly the same thing that's going on down in the Amazon and in the Yasuni in the people we uh, talk to so Thank you, the Jeremy. parallels
1: That was H2O Radio's Franny Halperin and Jamie Sudler talking about an award-winning model of preservation and sustainability in Ecuador's Yasumi National Park.
0: That's all for this edition of How on Earth. This week's show was produced by Jane Palmer. Executive producers are Jane Palmer and Kendra Kruger. Additional contributions by Beth Bennett.
1: Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. Additional audio from Nature Sounds at Creative Commons.
0: Visit our website at howoneearthradio.org to find past episodes, extended interviews, and you can subscribe to our podcast through iTunes. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter.
1: Questions or comments? Call the KGNU comment line at 303-447-9911. For How on Earth the KGNU Science Show. I'm Jane Palmer.
0: And I'm Beth Bennett.